Great song in there for all he's done. We talked about it in teen class today. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be. The whole message this morning, and I'll give you the title in just a second. Last Friday, I had the privilege of being on a, a radio interview with a, a Christian radio station in the state of Alaska. And uh, they interviewed me for a solid hour, asking me questions. And almost anything I do nowadays with, with podcasts or interviews is always around the deaf. And people are very intrigued by the deaf uh, world, more so now than they've ever been, which I'm thankful for. I don't know if you've been following any media stuff now, AT&T released a very unique uh, technology that allows deaf people to send in plays now on the football field. There's a little lens that hangs from their face mask helmet and the deaf quarterback can actually see the play if the coach changes it and sends it in and he can read it on the screen, then it disappears and becomes a clear lens so he can still see through it to continue with the play. And so that news, that commercial has been shuffling around. McDonald's has got a commercial with deaf people in it. So, you know, when people, if they even know anything about my family, they immediately call me and ask if they can do some interviews about it and all that stuff. And one of the questions that came up was why deaf people uh, are not fond of church. Why are they not very fond of church? And I've been asked that question many times, and it's an easy answer to give, frankly, it really is. Uh, for those of you that don't know, 90% of deaf people on this planet are born into hearing homes, meaning their parents are completely hearing, and they had no expectation of this child being born deaf, and this child is born deaf all of a sudden. And to many people, it is a devastating uh, report. Uh, in fact, my, my dad, when he was alive, my mom, my sister, myself, my brother even a few times, would actually have some consultations with these parents to encourage them and let them know that deaf people can function and, and coexist along uh, society just fine, you know, based, as long as they get a decent education and they get some attention and their culture and language is respected. And, and, but it is a devastating news. I'll never forget when my sister's firstborn, when she was born, Amelia, and we found out she was deaf quickly. My wife found out the first day she figured it out. Uh, that she was deaf and I'll never forget three months later going into the hospital and my sister was in one room and my, I was with her and I mean, little Amelia was there and I could overhear the nurse in the other room telling the doctor I don't want to I don't want to break the news to this mom her baby is deaf what are we going to do and she made it she was really sad about it and I could overhear her of course and I relayed to my sister what she was saying and so my sister called her in and said hey this family's not going to be devastated we're okay with it I'm deaf myself we know what to do with a deaf child but it's a common thing 90% of them, because most deafness is caused by illnesses or sicknesses. Uh, German measles was one of the big, biggest causes in, in previous generations. Uh, spinal meningitis causes deafness. High fevers, ear infections can cause deafness. Even if a mother is ill while she's carrying the child, it can cause the child to be deaf. So all that backstory to say that when a deaf person is born and starts to grow up in, a, in the family, many times the families are churchgoers, you know, especially in previous generations. Americans attended church a lot more than they do nowadays. But they attended church, and they would take these deaf children to church with them, and they would sit these children in church, and these children had no interpreter. Nobody in the church knew how to sign to them. And they would just sit there and stare at the ceiling, stare at the floor, stare at the preacher while they would sing and preach. And many times when they'd go home, they'd try to ask the parents what was going on. And the parents many times didn't learn sign language, no communication. And so deaf people begin to hate, they begin to hate the place of, that was called church. They just hated it. And so when I conveyed that to them they, on the radio interview, she was really intrigued and began to ask some more follow-up questions on how to fix that. And, of course, our church is unique. You know, we have many talented interpreters, and, of course, the pastor himself knows how to sign, so the deaf people love that. And now we have preacher boys coming up that can sign, and what, it's a blessing. So our church deaf folk are, are especially blessed. But that makes sense. It makes sense. And many times in our lives, there's places that we don't like to go to because we've had bad experiences there. All right? I'm sure many of you can think of a place right now, and... And uh, listen, let me just give a disclaimer. I thank God for doctors and dentists. I really do. 
the world is a better place because of doctors and dentists. But can I just be honest? I don't always get excited about going to their office for a visit. I just don't. Um, first of all, there's always a chance you're going to get bad news, right? <laughs> or they're going to tell you once again you need to lose weight. Okay, I, you know. But anyway, uh, but you know, but, but but probably the place that I did not mesh with or get along very well all my life, and I know you'd be shocked by this, is the library. If you're a librarian today, I thank God for you, and I appreciate all the work you do with books. But I read my books at home. I don't go to the library anymore. My oldest girl was about 12 years old years ago, and she needed a book for her homeschool project or something, and Daddy got to take her one time. We pulled up to the Jeff City, Cole County Library. We walked into that place, and she went her way to look for the book, and I always go to the biography section. I was thumbing around in there, and and I kept watching for her, and finally, you know, she had the library card. I see her just taking off, almost running out the door, and I'm trying to chase her down. She didn't even tell me she was leaving. I'm, I'm like, babe, what's going on? Why are you leaving? She goes, Dad, let's get out of here. You are the noisiest person in the life. I'm like, what? So I didn't say anything. I didn't talk. I didn't say one word. She goes, you don't have to say anything, Dad. Bang, bang, slam, slam. I mean, the whole library could hear the librarian was staring at you the whole time. I was like, oh, she, I got out of that duty. and never been back since, amen? Now Mama takes the kids to the library, right? But as I, as, I, as I was thinking about this thought, I was thinking about that, that question that was asked to me on Friday, and I'd already had this message prepared. It's funny how the Lord works that out. And I was thinking about places that we don't always love to go to. Uh, I feel like society today has gotten to the point now where they start to wonder, what's the point of going to church? Because just like that deaf child who heard nothing, church has become a place today where you actually hear nothing. We hear nothing. Church has become a social club. Church has become a, a place for people to come. That, 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 that it just, It's all about me, myself, and I. And, and it's become today, the, world, the church has become where the church has just become a place and no longer an event. Now, in the world, and this includes myself, all of us, we, we follow events, Right? Every year there's a game called the Super Bowl. It's one of the most viewed sporting events in the world. Every year they move locations. They usually try to keep it somewhere south where it's warm. And thousands and thousands of people will, will come upon that place and watch the game called the Super Bowl. They don't care where it is. They follow the event. And, and I was thinking about the Olympics. The Olympics are going to be next summer, 2024. And once again, the Americans will win all the gold medals, even though they're made in China. Thank God we win most of the medals. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, the Americans always do really well and represent well. And <laughs> it's going to be in Tokyo, I believe. Is that where the Olympics going to be next summer? Paris. Paris. I'm sorry, Paris. Tokyo's, we already did that. We already did that. Yeah. Boy, we got, I'm glad we got some smart people in the room. Okay. Paris is where it's going to be next year. And people will go. They don't care that it's in Paris. It's the event. They're following the event. And can I, can I just say... As a church, we ought to do our part to make this place an event. An event. You see, all of us that are old enough know exactly where we were when we got the news of 9-11. Remember, how many of you know exactly where you were when you got the news of 9-11? You know, it's not the place that you recall. The reason you remember the place you were when you got the news of the event is because of the event. You heard about 9-11 at a specific place, and that place will always be attached to that event. And see, so many times today, I grew up in churches like that where it was just a place. 
I, I went to it. It was just a place. It was just a place we got together. It was an excuse to gather two or three times a week. And all we did was get together. And it, we, we put on a show. We, we went through the motions. And, and it was almost like it was an event. But can I, can I encourage you today? There's still hope for churches to become an event again where it's almost like must-see TV, where it's something that, man, we've got to get to that place. And here's the key. You've got to have Jesus show up. You see, if you study the Gospels, you'll find out that when Jesus showed up, boy, people started coming out of the woodwork. I mean, first of all, many times it was the miracles that he had. It was the, it was the activities he could do. It was, it was the power that he displayed. It was the teachings that he had. But the fact of the matter is there was some life there. There was something going on there. There was something that appealed to people, and people were searching for the truth. And I grew up 18 years in churches where it was just a place. I mean, our family was religious. Our family went to church. Hey, we always go to church. That's American way. You go to church. Churches go to America. Or church, Americans go to church, and churches go to America, whatever. Americans go to church. We, we show up. That's what we do, week in and week out. But can I tell you something? For 18 years, it didn't benefit me at all. Finally, I went to a church for the first time where it was an event. It was a big deal because you know why it was a big deal? Because God might show up. We made way for God to show up. We wanted God to do something big. We wanted God to, 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 to move his strong arm and shake some things up and, and maybe save some souls and, and stir our hearts and do something in our hearts. And can I say to you today, I want to see that again in America. I want to see that in this church. I want to see that in many, many churches across this country. Because the fact of the matter is, America's not going to be saved by what happened 13 months from now in 2024 in the election. It'll get saved again when churches become events over places. So is our church, are the churches of today an event or is it just a place? Notice real quickly in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In one place. You know, you and I can do something about this. We can help make this place an event. Did you know that? Right now, all across America, people are spending $50 to park, $8 for a hot dog, $12 for a beer, to sit in the stands after they spent three or four hundred or five or thousand dollars on a football ticket, to sit in the stands and cheer on a bunch of NFL guys running up and down the field in tight pants and tight clothes, kicking the ball across some pasture through some plumbing, just so they can cheer and get excited because some team with players and athletes that can pay millions of dollars who don't even know their name are performing for them. I'm not against that. I love sports. You know that. But isn't it amazing that the average American gets more excited about a ball game than they do about the house of God? Isn't it sad that we get more excited about a concert than we do the house of God? It's pretty sad that we get more excited about a political rally than we do the house of God. And I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want church just to be something that we just show up to. I want something to happen here. I want there to be a spirit of expectation and anticipation that God, who can do whatever he wants, anytime he wants, might just do it today. And I want a front row seat of that event. How do we do that? A couple of quick things. Number one, you still got to assemble faithfully. Right now they're assembling in stadiums all across America. They're tailgating. They're assembling. I think it would be so cool if one Sunday we came up here and people were tailgating in church. Imagine if someone had a griddle out the back of the truck and they, no, no beer now, no, okay, no, no, okay. No, but they got like scrambled eggs and, you know, bacon and sausage and they're making breakfast burritos and, or tacos, Rachel. And then we're having like a little revival in the parking lot, tailgating for church, right? I mean, we don't see that. I'm being silly here, but, but the anticipation, the excitement, you know, people will arrive an hour, two hours early for a ball game, but they don't care if they're 10 minutes late to church. We pay thousands of dollars for the front seat at a ball game, but boy, we love to sit in the back in church. I'm not getting on to you back, folks, okay? I'm not, I'm not. I'm just making a point here. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? I'm just saying that we, we, we've lost the awe of, of, of what church means. 
You understand that all these stadiums that have been built, most of them were built by taxpayer dollars, by the way. These billionaires love to see the taxpayers build those stadiums, right? right? It's just a fact. But this church was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. The church was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our leader, our savior, our master, our performer, if you will, he knows your name, he knows my name, and he's interested in our lives. And his jersey says, for you. That's what his jersey says. What's your number, Jesus? For you. He's here for you. He's here for me. He's here to minister to us. And so maybe we should do our part to assemble more faithfully. There it is in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They were all gathered in one place. Look at verse number 6 real quickly. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. There was an assembling that took place. People gathered. And by the way, it's free to come here. You can park for free and you can enter for free. You can even tailgate on the park lot. I, somebody's going to take me up on that. I can see it. Next time I'm going to pull up. If you do, make sure, make sure you save a breakfast burrito for me. Amen. All right. Hey, I'm saying, hey, I'm saying right now, assemble, assemble, number one. Number two, I like this one. Bring an atmosphere. Bring an atmosphere. All right, look at this. Look at Acts chapter 2 real quickly. Verse number uh, 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. As you continue to read, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were setting. Things were getting so stirred up that the people around were like noticing there's something different about that place. They brought an atmosphere with them. I've been to some ball games, and I, it's amazing how when you go to a ball game and you have the same shirt that somebody else has, you'll high-five strangers you'll never meet again, and you get excited with strangers that you'll never meet again. I mean, you cheer for, again, athletes who don't even know my name with people that you don't even know you're going to meet again because of a sporting event. I remember when I took Grant to an NBA game one time. We don't go to NBA games anymore, but several years ago we went to an NBA game, and, and we got so excited. Grant was high-fiving like some 70-year-old grandmas that were so fired up because somebody got a dunk in a basketball game. I mean, I, I don't even know who these grandmas were, but they were wearing the right shirt, and Grant had the same shirt, and they're high-fiving each other and going nuts and going crazy because some guy who we don't even know is dunking a basketball. I'm not against that. Cheer for your team. I'm, I'm all for that, but be consistent, church. If we're going to get excited about a ball game or a deer we kill or, 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 or some good news at work or something, we've got to get excited about the things of God. Bring an atmosphere to church. As you walk into church on Sunday morning, bring a smile with you. Bring a spirit of anticipation with you. Have it in your back pocket. Have it in your front pocket. And as you walk through that door, throw it up on your face and get excited because, hey, who knows what God might do today? The spirit of anticipation. Hey, the atmosphere. Assemble together. Number two, the atmosphere. Number three, real quickly. Stay amazed. Stay amazed. Stay amazed again. We said it last Sunday night, but stay amazed again. Oh, man, I'm, I was afraid I was going to do this, but I just got to. Miss Deborah and I were talking before church today about their trip to Africa, and she had to stop talking, and I know exactly how she feels, because when you come from a third world country, which I've been numerous, several times, it changes your whole outlook on America. Miss Deborah, you said people were walking two hours to come to church. Two hours. Riding bicycles that we wouldn't even get for our own kids here in America. To sit in buildings that are nothing like this. Not comfortable pews. I know I've been there. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Ecuador. People that will just, just come and they're, and Miss Deborah, what was your word you said to me? They're happier than most Americans are today. Because they have nothing except Jesus and that's not really a bad thing. We've got everything that we forget we have Jesus. We've got all the nice houses and cars. And again, I'm not against that. I told the teenagers this morning, it's not our fault we were born into a blessed nation. It's not our fault that we've seen the blessings of God. It's not our fault that God has been good to our people and our nation and our country. It's not our fault. It is our fault when we take it for granted, though. It is our fault if we don't say amaze at God's goodness to us. 
if it is our fault, if we, don't, if we don't appreciate the goodness of God and the kindness of his hand and his benevolence. And by the way, if you went to Africa right now, if you went to the Philippines or in Ecuador and you went to the average church, they would still tell you, God's been good to me. And you look at them and say, how? You have a house. You have a hut. You don't have indoor plumbing. You don't have electricity. Your sewage runs in the streets. I've seen them on eyes. You don't have food to eat every day. You struggle to barely even make ends meet. Two dollars a day is your average salary. How can you say God's been good to you? And they'll look at you with a smile and say, God has been good to me. God help me today to stay amazed at how good he's been to me. Has he been good to you? Has he blessed you? You see, we've become so blessed that we have left the neighborhood of gratitude and humility and entered the neighborhood of entitlement. We actually feel like God owes us things or life owes us things and we got to get back to the place where we are amazed, just mesmerized by the goodness of God. Has God been good to you? Has God blessed you? Has God done something good for you in the last 24 hours? Did you take a hot shower in the last 24 hours? Please tell me you did. It's that time of year where hot showers are a blessing. To be able to take a hot shower, the roads we drive on, the vehicles we drive, the clothes we wear, the food we eat. I mean, we're so blessed. We have a channel called the Food Network. 24-7, you can watch TV shows about food. And if you get hungry, you can drive down the road and buy food from a store anywhere. Man, we're so blessed, church. I mean, we are so blessed. Get amazed again by that. Boy, if we came with an attitude of gratitude, we came with thankfulness, we came with a spirit or a leap of, of joy and excitement, man, what would God do in this place? If we came in and just left our burdens, I know you've got burdens. I know I've got burdens too, but God's bigger than our burdens. And when we assemble and when we bring that atmosphere and we get amazed again, things start happening. Number four, real quickly, there's got to be assurance. There's got to be assurance. Can I tell you something today? When you come to church, you will hear assurance. All these fans that are going to football games, like yesterday I tried to watch my Gators for again for a while. I'm done with them. The, uh, the high school teams in Jeff City could beat the Florida Gators right now. They're so bad. They're horrible. They're horrible. My dad's not even rooting for them in heaven anymore. He's, he's done with them too. We're done with the Gators. We just are, right? Until next year. <laughs> That's how it always is. I tell my wife that and she says, until next year, you're never guaranteed when you leave this stadium you're going to leave happy. Only 50% of the crowd's going to leave happy. Only 50% of the people watching on TV are going to be happy because one team's got to lose. One team's got to lose. Can I tell you something? When you come to church, you don't lose. Here's some assurance. Look at verse 14 of the same chapter. Peter, standing up with 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it this known unto you and hearken to my words. And he begins to preach to them. You know what he ends up talking about? He can't even get eight verses into his sermon and he starts talking about Jesus. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. And he begins to preach Jesus and talk about Jesus. Why? Because that's the assurance I can give you today, church. As your pastor, I can tell you, guess what? Everything's all right in my father's house. Everything's okay in heaven today. You don't have to be discouraged. Yeah, the world's gone crazy. Middle East, Ukraine. I mean, the political landscape. I mean, boy, it's easy to get stressed out and fret, but can I tell you something? God predicted it all. God's in control. God's not nervous. God's not said oops or oh. He knows exactly what's happening. And I'm here to assure you today that God is on his throne. He's always been on his throne. He always will be on his throne. And everything's all right in my father's house. Don't be discouraged. Be assured. Be assured. So number one, if we want to make this place an event, not just a place, you assemble faithfully. You bring an atmosphere. You get amazed. 
You cling to the assurance and find number five, and I'm done. You take action. You got to take action. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. We're living in a society of extremes. Did you know that? I'm just about through. We're doing good. We live in a society of what I call extremes. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Yesterday, USC played Southern California in a football game. USC stands for the University of Southern California. They played California in a college football game. Their game, by the way, let me back up. A few hours before, Oklahoma played Kansas in a football game. Their game was disrupted because of lightning. Okay, nothing you can do about that. They suspended the game for a little while, came back out, finished the game. But USC and California's game was suspended. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody follow the news yesterday? Their game was suspended by pro-Palestinian protesters who went out in the middle of the game and sat in the middle of the field and would not move. And they stopped the game. I personally think all they had to do is just keep playing the game. Just keep playing the game. They would have moved real quick. I've been on the field sometimes with 350-pound guys, and I was back in the day 240 pounds, and this was all up here, you know. And I was even nervous about the 350-pound guy coming after me. Can I tell you something right now? Uh, all they had to do is just keep playing the game. Those protesters would have moved off the field. It amazes me. Right now, Mike Johnson made, made news this past week because he's the new Speaker of the House, right? I'm just trying to get you to follow my extreme idea right here. And immediately, the liberals want to throw him out because he's too extreme. But for the last umpteen years, Nancy Pelosi, who was as extreme on the left, was allowed to continue to be the Speaker of the House. It's amazing how the left can be as extreme as they want, but if you're right extreme, you're no good, right? We've lost the radical extreme component of Christianity. We've lost the, you know what, you may think I'm crazy, but I'll be okay part of Christianity. We're so worried about what people are going to think about us that we've lost that radical attitude. I mean, they interrupted a college football game and sat in the middle of the field and disrupted a game to support a terrorist group. That's what happened in our country yesterday. Boy, that's extreme. When's the last time we did something extreme for Jesus? Hmm? And I'm not saying interrupting something like that. I'm just talking about being a witness. Talking to somebody. Showing the love of Christ in this world. Boy, that's, that's a disruption today. Let's read on. Verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. Unity had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, and every, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wow. You know what the church did? They got busy. They got busy. You and I need to get busy again. This world out there, all these cars that are driving by, all these people that live in our city, live in our community, live in our area that don't know Jesus need to meet a people, myself included, that do know Jesus. And we need to tell them that there's something happening. Come to the event. Come to the event. May the Lord help BBC always to be an event, not just a place. And may you and I do our part to make sure this stays an event and not just a place so that the next generation says, I'm not going anywhere. I love this place because of the events that take place. And the greatest event is the consistency of God showing up here. God shows up when his people want him to be here. 
And God shows up when his people have assembled and when his people are in the atmosphere and when his people stay amazed and when his people love the assurance they hear and when they get active and busy, God says, okay, I'm showing up at that place. In other words, how many churches in America did Jesus feel comfortable going to? I sure hope he feels comfortable coming here. Had your bad eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well today. As always, we give a brief invitation today. I love the concept of an invitation. I love what it means. It means we're inviting you to come I started now until I died there'd still be many more if I could mention only one have to thank him for his son now that's enough to praise the Lord for all he's done for all he's done I'm gonna lift my hands and praise him for all he's done try to live my life to please him even though i don't deserve to live my life has just begun and i can't help but praise the lord for all he's done for all he's done i'm gonna lift my hands and praise him for all he's done i'll try to live my life to please him even though I don't deserve to live, my life has just begun, and I can't help but praise the Lord for all He's done. Even though I don't deserve to live, my life has just begun, and I can't help but praise the Lord. 